0: Amen. Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to worship at Faith Community United Methodist Church. It's good to be with you this morning. I'd encourage you to find the attendance pads that are in the pews and uh, fill those out, pass those along to others worshiping with you this morning so we have a record of your presence here with us in worship this morning. I want to say thank you to those who responded to our Thanksgiving challenge. We uh, you all donated 143 pounds of food, in, and in addition to that, $480 uh, to provide Thanksgiving meals to people in this community. Way to go, faith community. Thank you for your generosity and your response to that Thanksgiving challenge. Uh, we have our St. Paul's Christmas tree out in the narthex with uh, a list of, of different uh, types of gifts that you can purchase for the children at St. Paul's United Methodist Church uh, for them to go shopping for their families uh, for Christmas. Those gifts all need to be back by next Sunday so that they can get uh, taken to where they need to go. So uh, if you haven't done that yet, take your ornaments, uh, take an ornament off the tree, take it with you. Uh, there's a list there of, of uh, uh, suggested items that you can purchase and uh, take that, bring all of those gifts back here by next Sunday. Uh, we have our uh, upcoming blue Christmas service. There's an announcement about that in your bulletin uh, the Blue Christmas is a, a worship service that our Stephen ministry does every year uh, around Christmas time, especially for those who are going through a time of, of grieving during the holidays. And uh, so take note of that. If you know of others who, who might uh, benefit from such a service, make sure that you pass that information along to them. And finally, I just want to mention that we do have our Thanksgiving community service here in the sanctuary this afternoon. At 3 o'clock, we're going to join in worship with uh, members from many other churches in the Xenia community as we come together as the body of Christ to uh, celebrate in worship and to to give our thanks to God for, for his many blessings. So come to our Thanksgiving service this afternoon at 3 o'clock, community service here in the sanctuary. We are here to worship God this morning, and so uh, let us turn our hearts to worship as the choir presents the music of the introit. Thank uh-huh.
1: Please rise as you're able for the call to worship. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. For For the the night night, weeping
0: weeping may tarry, with With the the morning light
1: comes joy. When the Lord restores the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream.
0: Then our our mouth mouth was was filled filled with with laughter. laughter. And, and our, our tongue with shouts, shouts of, joy. of joy.
1: Then they said among the nations, The Lord has done great things for them.
0: The Lord has done great things for us. We are glad.
1: Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the watercourses in the Negeb. May,
0: May those who, who sow, sow in, in tears reap with, with shouts, shouts of, joy. of
1: joy. Those who go forth weeping, bearing the seed for sowing,
0: shall come home home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves.
1: Please remain standing for our opening hymn, number 139 in your United Methodist Hymnal. Praise to the Lord Almighty. We will sing verses 1, 2, 3, and 5 this morning. You may be seated. Please now join in the opening prayer printed in your bulletin. In every season, God of love and goodness, your steadfast love sustains us. You have brought us here, invited us to become a community of faith. Called us to remember that we live and breathe only by the power of your grace in our lives. In this season of harvest, our hearts are full of gratitude for what your hand has so generously provided us. On this day of promise, then, we look to the future with hope, opening ourselves to your spirit at work in our lives. Be present with us this day, and in this time of worship, we pray, amen. Now join, please, in our prayer hymn, Now Thank We All Our God, number 102 in your United Methodist hymnal.
0: In this season of bounty, O God, we come to give you our thanks for the many ways in which you have blessed us, the ways that you continue to bless us even now. Remind us, Lord, to bless you and to thank you, even when it's not a season of bounty, even when we're going through those difficult times. Even in times of famine, Lord, may we continue to thank you for you continue to provide all that we need. You continue to bless us beyond our deserving. Your grace is innumerable, Lord. We thank you for our families, for our friendships. We thank you for this church and for our faith. We thank you for inviting us into your family and giving us the privilege of serving in your community, through your strength and power. Lord, continue to bless all of the work of this church through our missions and ministries as we continue to provide your blessings to others through through our service, through our gifts. We know that none of those come from us. They all come from you, the giver of every good gift. Lord, continue to work within us and within the lives of those that we lift up to you now who are going through times of trial, those who are experiencing grief, those who are dealing with physical illness, those who are wrestling emotionally, spiritually. Lord, pour out an extra measure of your mercy upon them this day. May they experience the benefit of our prayers Knowing that you are a God of love and power. Continue to bless this church family and each one of us as we continue to offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving to you through your son, Jesus Christ, as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. I invite the ushers to come forward to pass the plates as we offer ourselves to God through the giving of our tithes and offerings. To get up there.
1: Please join me in the prayer of dedication. We come with joy and thanksgiving for the many Many blessings blessings. we have been given. May these gifts given here and the service of your hands Make a reference as we seek to follow Jesus' way. Amen. Please be seated. Thank Lesson is taken from the book of Joel, chapter 2, verses 21 through 27. Do not fear, O soil, be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, you animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green, the tree bears its fruit, the fig tree and vine give their full yield. O children of Zion, be glad. And rejoice in the Lord your God. For he has given the early rain for your vindication. He has poured down for you abundant rain. And early and the late rain, later rain as before. The threshing floor shall be full of grain. The vats shall overflow with wine and oil. I will repay you for the years that the swarming locust has eaten. The hopper, the destroyer, and the cutter. My great army which I sent against you. You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied and praise the name of the Lord your God who has dealt wondrously with you. And my people shall never again be put to shame. You shall know that I am in the midst of Israel and that I, the Lord, am your God and there is no other. And my people shall never again be put to shame. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
0: I mean, I like to eat a lot. Laura says that one of the things she likes about me is my appetite, and and I hope that's true because, like I said, I really like to eat. So obviously, Thanksgiving is one of my favorite holidays. What is Thanksgiving if not an opportunity and an excuse to overindulge in all of the best delicacies one could ask for? And it's one of those times that I never have to worry about there being enough food to fill me up. If anything, there's always way too much. Thanksgiving is the promise of plenty. When I was growing up, my family always went to a a family reunion on Thanksgiving Day. It was a reunion that went back several generations, eight branches of a family tree that was planted by a wedding that took place on Thanksgiving Day 130 years ago. Every year, there would be over a 100 people that would converge on a, a Grange Hall in Plattsville, Ohio each carload bringing with them their most delicious side dishes, salads, and desserts, all crammed onto four or five eight-foot tables until every inch of table space was covered. The turkey and stuffing were prepared on site by whichever of the eight branches of the family was hosting that year. I have no idea how many turkeys they made or how many vats of stuffing they prepared, but you never had to worry about running out as we rode in the car for that two-hour drive from Cincinnati to Plattsville on Thanksgiving morning, we knew we were headed to the promise of plenty. The promise of plenty is what we find in our scripture reading for today. Joel 2, 26, You shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. You shall have plenty to eat until you are full, says another translation. That's music to my ears. The promise of having plenty to eat, of being fully satisfied. Did I mention I like to eat? The, the section that we read today from Joel, it's a very uplifting, very encouraging passage full of promise and hope. Not all of Joel is like that. In fact, much of Joel is not like that. When I began looking at this passage in preparation for today, I, I had to do a bit of a double take. Wait a minute, is Is this Joel? This isn't usually what I think of when I think of the prophet Joel. The day is, the day of the Lord is coming, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness. That's Joel. The day of the Lord is terrible indeed. Who can endure it? That too is Joel. There's a lot of devastation and foreboding in Joel. But there is also this section of promise of restoration. It's hard to say when the book of Joel was written. Joel himself doesn't tell us in what century he was writing. Some date the book as early as 800 BC. Others date it as late as 400 BC. All we know definitively about Joel is that he was the son of Pethwell, which doesn't tell us much since we don't know anything about Pethwell other than he was the father of the prophet Joel. Unlike many of the prophetic books of the Bible, this one seems to have nothing to do with the exile. Most of the prophets were either foretelling the destruction that would come when Assyria would defeat Israel and Babylon would defeat Judah, or they prophesied during the exile of the restoration that would come when God would deliver them back to the promised land. There isn't any of that in Joel. The devastation and restoration that take place in Joel... It's all agricultural. The chosen people were living in a land of plenty. Grain crops, grapevines, fig trees, and olives. They were a people of the land. The land was their livelihood. The land provided not just what they needed for life, but what they needed for worship as well. The sacrifices and offerings that they brought to the temple came from the, the fruit of their labors. Yes, but more than the fruit of the labors, it came from the bounty provided by God. As with any agricultural society, there were good years and bad years. Usually, though, whether it was a good year or a bad year, usually there was enough. They praised God for providing enough. But the situation described in the book of Joel is no ordinary year. All of chapter 1 and much of chapter 2 describes a terrible swarm of locusts. A swarm of locusts so bad that all of the crops were destroyed. A swarm of locusts so bad that even the livestock died for lack of food. There were locusts upon locusts, a variety of different kinds that, that destroyed in different ways. The King James Version translates them as the locust, the canker worm, the palmer worm, and the caterpillar. What, what the actual genus of these were, what, what they represented was different kinds of destruction, Stripping, cutting, swarming. As Joel 1-4 puts it, what the cutting locust left, the swarming locust has eaten. What the swarming locust left, the hopping locust has eaten. What the hopping locust left, the destroying locust has eaten. In other words, it's one thing after another after another. You know, I don't know anything about farming. I can't tell you the first thing about agriculture. I sure can't identify one species of locust from another or the different types of damage that each one leaves behind. But I do know what it feels like to be bombarded by troubles, one on top of another. I do know what you mean when you say to me, it feels like everything is hitting me at once and it's just too much. I do know that the 17-year cicada is not the only type of plague that we face in this life when things aren't going well at work and your spouse doesn't listen to a word you say and the kids are being disrespectful and your friends just don't have time to listen and there's a fight going on at church and you don't dare turn on the news what the swarming locust doesn't destroy the other types will and they all strike at once don't they Joel may have been originally prophesying in relation to a literal plague of locusts, but we all face those moments when, when we feel that the world is coming against us. What can we do in those moments but cry out to God? Joel 119, to you, O Lord, I cry. Joel 120, even the wild animals cry to you. Because their water courses are dried up. All creation cries out to God. And the prophets are there to tell us. God hears those cries. And God responds. God is faithful to restore all that has been destroyed. God is faithful to redeem all that has been taken away. God is faithful to rebuild all that has been broken down. God is faithful to provide all that is needed and more. That's what our passage for today is about. That's where the promise of plenty comes in. It's not that God is promising to provide an abundance of everything at all times. It's not the idea that we're going to have the perfect harvest year after year. Not physically anyway, not in this world, not in this life. In this life, there will still be bad seasons. In this world, there will still be times of plague. But the plague will not last. And the bad season is just that, a season. When the locusts are swarming around us, and again, I'm not talking about the 17-year cicada, but those figurative locusts that that come against us at any time and, and cut and strip and eat away. When those locusts swarm around us, God has not forgotten. God has not abandoned. God is not indifferent to our condition or to the condition of this world. Quite to the contrary, God is eager to drive away those locusts and restore the land around us. But before we jump too quickly to that promise of restoration, that promise of plenty, there is another step in between. In between the the section about the vast devastation brought on by the locusts and the restoration brought about by God, there is a season of repentance. After a a chapter and a half of, of terror from the swarming locusts, described as an attacking army, We get to Joel 2, 12 through 14. Yet even now, says the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and relents from punishing. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and drink offering for the Lord your God. Before the locusts came, the people had grown complacent. They had become abundantly comfortable. They took their position as God's chosen people for granted. They they didn't really have to worry about how they were living because they brought their sacrifices to the temple in due season, so they knew their sins were atoned for. But when the locusts came, all of that changed. Not only did they not have food for themselves, they they had nothing to take to the temple to offer to God. Now, what were they going to do about their sins? God, through the prophet Joel, tells them what to do about their sins. Return to me with all your hearts, with fasting, with weeping, with mourning. Rend your hearts and not your clothing. God doesn't want... Their meaningless sacrifices of grain and animal never really did. What he wanted all along was their hearts, their faithfulness, their devotion to him and his ways. What God wanted from them was true repentance. That's what God would bring about through that plague of locusts. True repentance. Hearts turned back upon him. And then the prophet Joel suggests, then God may leave behind a blessing such that they can bring the grain offering and drink offering once again. Did you catch that that shift in, in their thinking? The people wondered and they fretted, how can we repent without the sacrifices? And God answered, repent in your hearts, truly repent, and then I will provide what you need for the sacrifices. It took the plague of locusts for the people to realize that it was God. Not their resourcefulness, not their sacrifices and offerings, not their good deeds, not their hard work, not their nice words, not their songs of praise, but God. It was God who was the source of every blessing. When those blessings were temporarily removed through that plague of locusts, the people were convicted. Their eyes were opened to how complacent and careless they have been in their faith. They repented. They turned back to God. They drew close to God in prayer, in supplication, in fasting, in dedicating themselves and their community to the Lord. I believe that's how God wants us to use all of those times in our lives when the locusts are swarming When the abundance seems to be gone, when we feel like we're under attack, when we feel like we have nowhere else to turn, God wants us to realize we have nowhere else to turn because we have no blessings that do not come from him. Indeed, we have no good thing that does not come from him. He is the giver of every good. If you have money to put in the offering plate, praise God, that money is a gift from Him. If you have food to give to another family for Thanksgiving, praise God, that food is a gift from Him. If you have time to serve at a mission site, praise God, that time is a gift from Him. If you have energy and talent to devote to your church, praise God, that talent and energy is a gift from Him. If you think that any of that came from you, then just wait until the next time the locusts come and take it all away. And you'll know that it was never yours in the first place. Every good gift comes from God, who is the father of all. When the locusts destroyed the harvest, decimated the land, God's people repented. They returned to him. Now now we can get into a a theological debate about whether God intentionally sent that swarm of locusts as a form of punishment for their sin or, or whether those locusts came in the course of nature and God just allowed it. What matters is that the people were convicted by it. They realized that they needed to repent and through this they drew closer to God. When the bad things are piling up in our lives, We can debate the question of why it's all happening. Sometimes we do sin. We make bad choices and that leads to bad results. Sometimes other people sin and I suffer as a result. The nation sins and bad things happen. The world sins and bad things happen. All of nature suffers. The whole of creation groans for redemption. When the plagues come upon us, it's good to ask why because... God might be trying to teach you something through it. There might be individual lessons in each individual situation. But overall, overall, in every situation, the overarching message for all of us is how badly we need God. Every time the plagues come upon us, the word of God to us remains unchanged. Even now, says the Lord, return to me. With all your heart. Whether it was your sin that caused the trouble or not. Whether the trouble is coming upon you as punishment for God, from God, or just simply as one of the trials of this world. The message is still the same. Even now says the Lord, return to me with all your heart. And following that conviction. Following that call when we answer in faith, when we respond in repentance, there is a promise. A promise of redemption. A promise of restoration. A promise of goodness. A promise of plenty. And ultimately, that promise, it's given to all even to the earth itself. Do not fear, O soil. Be glad and rejoice, for the Lord has done great things. Do not fear, you animals of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness are green. O children of Zion, be glad and rejoice in the Lord your God. We rejoice, even through the trials, even through the plagues, because we know that God will drive all those things away. We know that all the problems of this world are temporary and God's salvation is eternal. We know that the resources of this world are limited, but God's provision is unending. We know that there are seasons when we must go without. But in due season, we will have plenty. And that all of it comes from the hand of the Lord. A gift. A gift. A gift from our good and gracious God who has forgiven our sin. Who has redeemed our lives. Who will restore to us a double portion for all that has been taken away. You will have plenty to eat until you are full. And you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. That's not just a promise for this thanksgiving that's a promise for eternity thanks be to god amen invite you to stand as you're able for our closing hymn which is number 694 in the hymnal come ye thankful people come be seated and please remain in your seats until the choir has recessed out and following that you are dismissed. As you go, go knowing that the Lord is gracious and bountiful and that he provides in plenty. In the name of God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I mm-hmm.